Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Great show for you. Uh, you know what? I, in fact, it's going to be a long one, so I'm not going to talk too much here at the beginning. I, You know, I'm a talker, so I tend to go off the rails. But I uh, wanted to tell you uh, that uh, Windows Pictures filmmakers, <clears throat> uh, Bradford Thomason and Brett Wickham are here. Now, uh, they have made some of my favorite documentaries, and the most recent one is uh, one called Jasper Mall, uh, about a mall of the same name um, in Alabama. And it really takes you into that dead mall, uh, just almost time capsule kind of feel. The film is gorgeous. Uh, it's going to be playing at the, the Sidewalk Film Festival uh, this coming weekend, um, right there. Uh, in um, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have the name for you here. It's... Um, It's actually in uh, Birmingham. Uh, my dad was actually was born born in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, they uh, these guys are actually from Houston, but they relocated there, um, as you'll hear uh, in the interview. But uh, what's so great about it is is that Jasper Mall, uh, the the film, the name, it just frames such something that's very very important to me. It's very special. I love malls and I love mall culture. Um, I know in the days of Amazon and all this kinds of crap that malls are being, you know, replaced by Amazon fulfillment centers and, and all the, the red tape that goes with that. But, but without getting too political and being a bit of a downer, it's just, a, you know, re- regardless of that, that's just how things change. You know, it's just a, just a product of, you know, not everybody can say the same. And then, but that's what's so neat about the Jasper Ball documentary is that this place has remained... Uh, you know, a lot of businesses have come and gone, but it really uh, takes you into a, a, a time and place uh, that does still exist in some form, uh, and it's just beautifully shot. Uh, what's cool about these guys, though, is that I'd never met them before, and they have made so they've made like five movies, and any one of the five films uh, that they made would be something that I would be very interested in, and very specific, very niche. Um <clears throat> Their first film was a film on the Rock of Fire explosion. You know the great uh, uh, those animatronic ones. Remember from Showbiz Pizza? If you eighties kids remember that. Uh, then they're the ones that made the the, the Glow Wrestling documentary, uh, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. That of course I grew up watching, and now I'm great friends with a lot of those girls. And uh, and then you know of course now there's a, a show based on it on Netflix. It's about to come out with another season. Uh, and it, it doesn't. The fun doesn't stop there. Like the small town fair culture. Uh, then, golly, Van Halen. Um, my my obsession for uh, the Van Halen last weekend knows no boundaries. Uh, and you know, we've had guys from Van Halen on the show. We had Neil Monk, uh, their old manager, and we talked a bit about it. These guys actually made a little short about the guy who won uh, the last weekend. Uh, with Van Halen way back in like '84, uh, and it just it just the hits just keep coming, man. I just couldn't believe that like we have so much in common. Also from Texas with these guys, so uh, very excited to have them on uh, again. Check out Jasper Mall documentary the, uh, again. Their production company is called Windows Pictures, and you can find that online. We'll have links to that up on our website on trickykid.com. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, we're on all the platforms, of course, coming to you from iHeartRadio app. Uh, we're also, of course, uh, we're on Spotify uh, and anywhere you get your podcasts with iTunes and the whole nine. Uh, visit us at, on the web at trickykid.com. That's tricky-kid.com. And you've heard me mention that we're having a, um, 
massive relaunch to go along with our King's X documentary film project. Uh, and that'll be happening in, a, in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so a lot of stuff. Uh, one thing I wanted to tell you was that this is the first episode we're doing now with my new Zoom uh, H8. Uh, the fine folks at Zoom uh, saw fit to upgrade us. Uh, I was using the the, the very uh, popular H6, so this is my maiden voyage with the H8, uh, and so far so good. And uh, what I love is there's all these little neat little presets. I don't have to to make the presets anymore. I can just hit the button and it'll sound like. <laughs> cool is that right touch of a button it would take me all day to normally do that so so thank you to the guys at zoom there uh of course uh you want to also check us out of course on twitter my, my handle is tricky kid in the number two i'm also under uh instagram under dj tricky kid um Thank you guys for checking out our last week's episode. We had the, the amazing Chris Franz from the legendary Talking Heads. And glad you guys are enjoying that. Uh, and before that, for our, our, our big 100th episode, we did this big thing called All Things 80, uh, 1980. Now, I kind of started doing this uh, all-encompassing thing about uh, one year of the 80s. Uh, last year with 1989 and my god it took me like three or four episodes to make it happen because uh, so many things happened in no, 1980 is no uh, uh, less of great facts but I just I, I packed it all into one big episode uh, with Flash Gordon Sam Jones and the legendary Barry Corbin who was in like every movie in 1980 with you know Urban Cowboy and all that uh, but every time since then uh every week every day it seems like three or four new uh facts tend to pile up uh that i wanted to add it to the original thing so the last couple episodes i've been adding uh hey here's some uh, little added bonus to the 1980 episode and this one's gonna be no exception um and because again showbiz pizza started right uh here down the road here in irving texas in 1980 and again uh, these guys made a documentary uh called the Rock of Fire Explosion, about, about the Rock of Fire Explosion, called Rock of Fire. Uh, and even though we're primarily talking about Jasper Mall, I couldn't resist asking them about all their films. So there's a, there's a lot to, to talk about here. It's going to be a long but fun episode. Uh, so again, in the spirit of 1980, I wanted to share a, a few more facts for you. One is that we uh, I mentioned uh, about the show That's Incredible. I used to watch that all the time. It was a great show. And when we did the mural uh, for all of our promotional stuff for the episode, there was uh, a screenshot of the show That's Incredible. But I, I had failed to mention that there actually was a spinoff called Those Amazing Animals. Uh, it debuted uh, in August of uh, August 23rd, 1980. Uh, and it was great, man. It was hosted by Burgess Meredith, uh, Priscilla Presley, and Jim Stafford. Uh, it was only on for one season, but I really, really loved that show. And of course, we talked a lot about on that episode about uh, you know the, the the new wave of British heavy metal and some just seminal records that came out that year from so many uh, British metal bands like Iron Maiden, Motorhead, uh, Judas Priest, and all that. Um, and so. The, the big, the very, very first, which is considered to be like the festival, it's called the Download Festival now, uh, there in Donington Park uh, in England. But back then, of course, it was, you know, the, the legendary Donington Festival. And growing up in, you know, in America and as a poor kid in the 80s, this was like, 
utopia. This was heaven. This is even predates, of course, Live Aid, and of course now the you know there's big festivals everywhere like Glastonbury, even in America with Coachella. And I've been fortunate enough to, to attend all those. Still haven't made it to my to Donington Park yet, or as they're calling it again, the Download Festival. But the very very first one, uh, the very uh, it's called the Monsters of Rock Heavy Metal Festival. Uh, happened uh, in uh, 1980. Uh, the headliners were Rainbow, uh, followed by. I mean, check out this lineup, man. Rainbow, followed by, uh, excuse me, Judas Priest, The Scorpions, April Wine, Saxon, Riot, and Touch, and all that took place uh, in 1980. And it was the very, very, very first one that kicked off that whole thing. Uh, and speaking of heavy metal, uh, you know, we're in mourning uh, this week. Uh, we lost Frankie Benali from, from Quiet Riot. It was very sad to uh, to have heard that. Uh, we had Frankie on the show, if you guys recall, um, a couple years ago whenever they had made that great, his wife had made this great uh, documentary called Now That You're Here, There's No Way Back. Of course, the great line from Metal Health. Um, I did a little tribute online uh, via Twitter, but I'll repeat it here for now because I wanted to share just a quick memory about about. Uh, quiet riot uh, during that great uh, I mean first of all metal health is the very first as you know the heavy metal record to ever hit number one and not many <laughs> did after that but they were the first one that classic lineup of course with Kevin Dubrow Rudy Sarzo and Carlos Cavazzo and now the late Frankie Benali um, I talk a lot about this place that uh, I grew up in in Little Rock Arkansas an apartment complex called Grayback that I actually <clears throat> went back to to, to see for the first time since uh, 1986, um, oh, we were on our on our honeymoon. We went camping in the Ozarks, and I hadn't been to Arkansas where I grew up in over 30 years. Uh, we had, you know, that magical, never-ending summer of 1983. Metal Health was that soundtrack. That, of course, obviously Michael Jackson's Thriller, but I mean, literally hand in hand. And uh, you know, I was only you know nine years old that summer. The next summer, they followed it up with an album called Condition Critical in 1984, almost a year to the day. And uh, that was one of the first pieces of music that I ever owned with my own money. Again, we were poor as church mice, and again, I was still again only ten years old. So you know, spending. Uh, gosh, I couldn't imagine probably the tape back then was probably, you know, seven or eight bucks. It was obviously a cassette. Uh, you know, my allowance might have been only, you know, 10 bucks for a week or two. So, you know, it was, and that's why we know that music so so well. Now you can just, you know, say, hey, Google, play me this, and there it is. But uh, back then, man, you had to save. And uh, and the song, most of the tapes only had, you know, seven or eight songs. So you just listened to that over and over again because that was all you had. Plus, it was such an investment. You had spent so much time cultivating, uh, you know, your life around, you know, securing this piece of music. So, anyway, uh, so shout out to um, Frankie Benali's family. Rest in peace to the man. Uh, great memories of him and the band. And uh, uh, sad to, to have heard that. I know he was uh, fighting cancer for for the last year. Um, and speaking of music, speaking of 1980, uh, last but not least, again on the 1980 uh, uh, trivia uh, uh, tip here is on August 19th, 1980, 40 years ago, man, uh, The Breaks by Curtis Blow uh, became the very first a rap single certified gold. So again, with Quiet Riot being the very first uh, number one metal album, uh, you know, Curtis Blow was uh, blazing a trail all the way back in 1980, and that's what I'm going to play for you right now. Uh, one of my favorite uh, awesome uh, old school hip-hop tracks from the man Curtis Blow, 
These are the breaks, and we'll be right back uh, with filmmakers Bradford Thomason and Brett Wickham and all things Jasper Mall. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm Curtis Blow, and I want you to know that these are the breaks. Breaks on the car, breaks to make you a superstar. Breaks to win and breaks to lose. But these here breaks rock your shoes. And these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Another man And she runs off to them To Japan And the IRS says They want to chat And she can't explain Why you claimed your cat And my bell Sends you a whopping bill With 18 phone calls to Brazil And you borrowed money From the mob And yesterday Lost your job. Well, these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Throw your hands up in the sky and wave around from side to side. And if you deserve a Somebody say, all right. Say, ho. You don't stop. I keep on. Somebody scream. Break down. Break it up, break it up, break it down, look! 
my friend Roy. He is talking all things pieces of me. This is Tiffany here. Always, always tune in to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Yeah, man. So that was uh, The Breaks by Curtis Blow. So, and sometimes these are the breaks, right? Uh, also, some crazy news in hip hop was that I, it looks like they've uh, some arrests have been finally have been made. Uh, and uh, God, I can't even get myself to say it all these years later. And the uh, the murder of uh, Jam Master Jay from Run DMC, and uh, that was really the first uh, you know celebrity. I guess death, especially for the, for what, what you know how it happened, that really affected me the most. He was why I became a DJ, and and really that uh, and they were my path to hip hop, and just I have such cherished things. And we're gonna have DMC on the show here coming up pretty soon. Him and Larry Hama and uh, Amy Chu are working on some stuff in the comic book world. But uh, um, I know it won't bring Jay back, but I was glad to see that finally some closure is gonna be brought to his family, hopefully. Uh, with all that after all these all these years but uh anyway let's go ahead and get the gang on here once again this is uh windows pictures this is uh bradford and uh, and brett and uh, we're gonna be talking about jasper mall and all of their films uh that are so awesome and so cool so let's go ahead and welcome them on now uh how did you guys come to choose this is your next project uh, and just walk me through that. Um, I, th I think that, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the topics we approach, as you mentioned, uh, sort of revolve around or deal with things from our childhood, things that we're nostalgic for. Um, and I think this idea of, of spending some time in a, in a shopping mall floated around a good while ago and then uh, one day, you know, I guess a year and a half or whatever ago, I was driving back from Nashville and pulled through Jasper Mall on my way to Birmingham and, and just fell in love with it aesthetically. Like, thought it was just the perfect looking mall. You know, it really looked just like the malls that we went to when, when I was a kid. Um, and so I immediately started sending pictures to Brett, and, you know, calling and saying, hey, this mall's really got something here. We should come back and talk to the people inside who, who work here and see, see, what, see what we find. And then once we went back and found Mike and found some of the other characters in the film, we immediately knew we had to make the film. That's outstanding. Now, uh, so our listeners can, okay, do you have, uh, personally, obviously you did something, for, you know, because you wanted to do something here, but did you, do you have yourself kind of a passion for malls, mall culture, growing up with the malls, the 
kind of and even dead malls in particular? Um, I think dead malls are cool, but I think it's more like I grew up. My mom would drop me off at the mall for all day when I was a kid at our local mall in Houston. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know what part of Texas you're from. Yeah. Oh, I'm in Dallas right now. So. Oh, okay. Um, so in Houston, they had Baybrook Mall. And uh, my mama dropped me out there all day, and you know it had all the food court, it had a movie theater, it had a pet store, super weird. It had uh, <laughs> Aladdin's castle. Oh yeah. So absolutely, the mall was like a place that uh, I went to like obsessively for a very long time in my childhood. And even in high school, we would go to the mall just to people watch and hang out. Oh yeah. So, so for for me, malls just in general were a huge part of my childhood and just a part of my life. And just like Glow was, just like Rockefeller was, I used to go to Showbiz Pizza as a kid a ton. I worked at Chuck E. Cheese for a while. So <laughs> um, I, I, uh, it's, it's just a very much a thing that's just purely interest from it being embedded in our childhood. Well, I'll tell you this though. Like I said, first of all, if we're both in, te- if we're all in Texas, and again, I couldn't. It would be impossible for me to exaggerate my. The Rock of Fire explosion was my entire life. I, I grew up super poor, so I only was able to go to show business a couple of times. But if we're all in Texas and we love Glow, we love Rock of Fire, we love malls. I think you guys even made another movie about like small town like uh, fair culture. Is that right? Yeah, County Fair, Texas, it was about, you know, FFA and kids raising animals to go, you know, to compete. So uh, county fairs were huge for me also. Yeah, totally, yeah. Well, again, like I said, uh, that we could drink beer together forever uh, just based on any one of these projects. But um, what I love so much about Jasper Mall is this, is an I too have an obsession for for malls, and and I, I hate using the term dead mall because it sounds like a like a negative thing. But I, I love those malls like Jasper that are almost like this time machine when you step in there, and and you guys did such a gorgeous job of when you watch it, the how everything how it moves and everything else, it really puts you in there. You kind of feel a sadness. But you also feel kind of a bit of a yearning, and then you just can relate to the people that are just drawn to that. What I'd like to know is what drew you to, you mentioned earlier, Brad, about when you were there, but there had to be something else for for you guys to want to pick up and go down to nowhere Alabama and spend a year at 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 a dying mall. Yeah, well, we, I mean, like I said, it was really, I think the, had the mall just had the aesthetics and just had the, uh, you know, oh, look at how cool this mall is or this fountain is, or, you know, it reminds me of the malls of our childhood. Had it just had those things, we would have thought it was really cool and we probably would have moved on to something else. But, I mean, what what really hammered it home was when we started meeting the people inside the mall. Oh, yeah. And started getting, and started getting some of their stories. And that's when we knew we wanted to make... Uh, you know the film, so I think that that in addition to the stuff to the aesthetics, it was that. And you know, also we we live in Birmingham. Uh, we, we've been living we've been living and working in Birmingham for a while. So okay, you know, we're only we're only forty five minutes from this mall. So it really allowed us to uh, go there and be there as much as we needed to be to capture the stories that we did. Okay, okay. Well, so that that answers that for me as well because 
I thought you guys were uh, in Houston, so that's why I was like, man, this this was a, a real passion to pick up and move to Alabama. Um, I'm going to say, I have a question about that for Rock of Fire, because I know that Chris Thrash uh, was uh, located in, uh, or is in, is in Alabama and all that, so I was saying there's got to be some kind of connection there of how, how that came to be. I'll save that for the end, and I know that a lot of... Um, a lot of the people that, are, that we have are asking about that as well. Um, I saw the Jasper documentary. I watched it twice. I watched it, uh, I guess, last week. Um, unfortunately, I watched Rock of Fire last night, and it's the only thing I can think about. So I went ahead and, and watched Jasper again just so it would be fresh. Um, uh, I, I'll say this, though, too. So... Um, when you have a project like this, did you have trouble pitching this to to investors? A lot of our listeners are, are filmmakers themselves to say, "Hey, we want to we want to document this kind of place." Was it was it a hard sell? Well, the thing is, you you know, we don't need a ton of money to make a film like this because it's ninety eight percent of the film was just. Brad and I, we would just go there and film and, you yeah. know, we, you know, just hope that later we might be able to sell it and maybe make some money, but really right. like money is like the last thing on our minds. It's like the thing that kind of, you know, holds you up, but, you know, we try to be realistic about it. We need a little bit of money to make this. So I think Brad put together a nice pitch deck and um, Jeremy Burgess helped us secure some funds with investors. And um, they, we explained the style that we wanted to do, a very non-invasive style. And that right. It was going to be very quiet, and we weren't going to do any formal interviews. Um, a little bit similar to, like, County Fair in a way that we just float around with the camera. So right. I think when, they're, when they are fully understand exactly what we want to do and all the risk involved, they were totally on board. And like I said, we didn't need a lot of money for the. Well, you know, I, and I love that too because, uh, again, like I said, I'm currently making my, my first production right now. You guys being from Houston, did you guys ever w hear about or grow up with a band called King's X? Yeah. You know, sure. you know King's X is. Okay, so, so right now I, I'm currently in production with them uh, to finally tell this great story about this band that crosses so many different lines. It's a big story. You know, if you know anything about King's X, the singer is gay, black, southern, and Christian. So we're we're covering a lot of ground here. But, and we're having a great time, but one thing that bugs the shit out of me is that I spend all my, 90% of my time talking about fucking money to people that don't give a shit about the creative aspect of it. And I spend most of my time producing as compared to being the creative side. I tell you that was because when I, when I was looking at Windows Pictures at your production company and I was looking at your list of films, I was like, you know why I also love these guys and why I want to support this and why I'm interested other than just the content? Because nobody is making these kinds of films unless you absolutely love this shit. You know what I mean? You 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 would have to love this. They're not caring about money and making it, you know, they care about this stuff in the way that I would care about it. So so, so to that, my hats are off to you to, to you both. And I, I, I really, really appreciate that on a, on a human level, you know? Um, speaking of on a human level, uh, I, I feel like I've got so many questions. I don't want to I don't want to miss any of them. Uh, but I'm looking at some of the ones that I had wrote down here uh, for Jasper. 
Um, let's not get too nerdy, but again, since we do have a lot of filmmakers, your visuals are so stunning at the mall. Can can you share what equipment you were using to, to, to get most of the principal photography? Um, I shot with a FS7. It's the digital camera, and we shot in, in mostly in 1080. Okay. And um, and then a Fujinon 18 to 55, just always that lens. Okay. Um, I, we we found that lens doing some freelance work, and I thought it was really beautiful. I liked the how soft it was. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like ultra crisp like a Canon lens is sometimes. And um, you know, we showed some of a, a test footage to our colorist, and you know, he loved it and it just felt right um and so that's the that's that's it I mean, okay it's just that okay. simple it's the, those are the two tools that you know uh, other other thing being brad's the audio brad did all the audio which was equally important as the visuals because the mall was a really loud yeah. you know, environment it's echoey it's not the ideal place to to get a good audio um, but somehow, you know, Brad managed to do that and, you know, it gets a little like we tried to, we, we made a decision not to, you know, like film outside of the mall, like the town of Jasper or we, we decided to stay in the mall or on the, in the parking lot. Right. Okay. So that we gave ourselves some parameters and that kind of helped keep us focused on, you know, using the tools that we had to make the film. So, so Brad, how did you get such, such a great audio in that, in such a challenging environment? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, we have a nice, a uh, couple of nice mics, you know, I think the, the Sangin COS 11 lavalier mic and then the, um, Sennheiser 8060 shotgun. And we use those, um, uh, pretty much all the time. Um, you know, we would have, we would have Mike, uh, turn the music off in the mall, which tr helps tremendously. So, you know, we, we have a kind of a, a blank canvas there, uh, at least in that way. Um, and trying to do, I think trying to do, anytime we're in a more intimate situation where someone's talking, you know, maybe we're trying to do that in a quieter spot, you know. I mean, right, okay, okay. You know. Uh, but I mean, but it's, I said, it just, it puts you there. And like you said, it's non-evasive, it's not a clip show. And I, again, I love the mall. I love those types of malls. So just watching the film... I like. I want to go to that mall. I, and and again, there's there's other you know dying or slower, not the primary malls. Uh, uh, they're also becoming few and far between. But God, just just being there, just watching the film, put me there and put me in such a a just a comforting. There's something comfort comforting about it, right? I mean, don't you just kind of don't you want to hug that mall? I just want to wrap my arms around it. We yeah. spent weeks. Um, we spent weeks at that mall before we started shooting, just hanging out and like people watching and, and taking in the environment just to kind of get an idea of like, first of all, just to make sure everybody was comfortable with us being there. And then secondly, just to like get our bearings and try to figure out the different pockets of the mall that we liked and, you know, the back of the mall where the coolest dumpster was and things like that. So it's just, <laughs> It's like, I definitely know what you're saying. And, you know, when Brad found that mall and was sending me pictures of it, it, you know, it was, it is a time capsule. And the fact that they have real life plants yeah, and, you know, a fountain and things weren't updated, but it right. was preserved very well. Totally. So helped. But only somebody that said that really loves it would have picked up on it. 
on that. They wouldn't have. They would have. They would have noticed. Oh wait, those aren't fake trees. Those are, are fake plants. They're the real deal. And and then when you see the guy, you know, watering him and all that. Now, I think that was smart that you guys, you know, kind of in, uh, ingrained yourself into their little community before just showing up and putting a camera in somebody's face, which is just a great, great thing to do. But walk me through day one, though. Like, when you guys finally made the decision, and also help me understand this before you answer that, how much shooting did you do? Like, how long were you there? How long were you there each day? And how often were you there? Uh I think yeah, it, was, it was nearly a year of shooting. Um, and, I mean, a couple times a week we went, I mean, at least. And then, um, you know, and then if there was something happening going on, like the carnival, like the, you know, like the quartets in the mall, we would, you know, make an extra trip or, or spend a couple days there just focused on that. Okay. All financials are, how they make money. But I do know that the... the when the church came in to J.C. Penney's, that that's really that's big. Yeah, right, you know, right, that's, sure. That, that's going to create more people coming to the mall, and it's going to be busier. So I think that it's it's facilitating what it's naturally supposed to do, and that is, if there's an empty place and someone needs a spot at a at a at a affordable cost, then that mall's going to you know it's going to have that. And so I think that. Um, it's kind of adapting exactly how it should. I, don't, I never expected it. I never thought it would ever turn into like some beautiful big mall again. Right, you know, right, it, of course. I, I thought maybe if it kept going down that it might turn into like an Amazon fulfillment center or something. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, well, it happens a lot. Yeah, so, it does. Because you you're know, thinking I, big open space that you, people can buy up cheap uh, in order to manufacture something. That, that, that's kind of the go-to thing there um i'm just so happy the movie exists i'm so grateful to you guys for for somebody out there made it uh again if you hadn't that might have been my uh again you guys you guys just checked off all my my wish list stuff here and uh but I, we have a lot more to cover here i was just and again i'm so glad that we didn't let the technical difficulties kind of sap the wind out of our sails here and we can uh, head on to, 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 to better waters here. Uh, but where right now, where can people see uh, the film? Uh, it's on all the major streaming platforms uh, like like iTunes and Amazon, um, Vudu, Google Play, all of those. Um, Jasper Mall, JasperMallMovie.com uh, is our website for the film, and all the links are there as well. So. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you. So I noticed that the film is it being distributed uh, by is it by Gravitas Ventures? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, so have have they distributed your films before? They have not. No. Okay. So 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 this is this is a this is a, a, a new thing for you guys. How how did that come about? Uh, we met them at Slam Dance. Okay. Okay. So they they came to our screenings along with you know a, a few other distributors. And we hung out with them. Um, they had, you know, they were into the movie. They they felt like they had a really good plan for it. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and just their energy for uh, just what it was. They really got it, and they really seemed to 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 be behind. Like they really felt their language really reflected like everything that we were trying to put out and so we felt like they would handle it best um and we've you know we're really happy with the the response in terms of how the reach that they've achieved yeah yeah for sure yeah. you know and i love that film festival i know it runs concurrently of course with sundance there uh, in park city um 
the, the one time that I've only I've only been there the Park City one time, and I spent all my time watching the slam dance stuff versus the Sundance because again it was very fun niche stuff like this. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine is the professional wrestler uh, Diamond Dallas Page, and he was there with uh, with his film called The Resurrection uh, of Jake the Snake Roberts. And the people at oh, Slam, have you all seen that film? It's great, right? Yeah. And uh, and the people at Slam Dance were just so great and so fun and the kind of people you'd want on your side because that film would have just Sundance would have swallowed that film and it would have been forgotten versus this got it to its audience you know um, have you all did the other films also premiere uh, in Park City at either one of the festivals our, our films no Life and Waves premiered at South by Southwest okay yeah okay um, and, and so and I also didn't realize that the Rock of Fire thing happened like 12 years ago. I mean, this, this, this is a, a long time has passed uh, uh, since then. Um, so one more thing I wanted to ask before we move on to, to a couple other different things here is uh, we mentioned, of course, about Jasper Mall. Um, so one more question that I, I, I do have about, about the mall is when you guys met Mike, that first day, so he's still the caretaker of the mall. There's he's still doing it as if like I mean like right now he's he's at that mall probably working today, right? Yes. Um, what what do you think was your proudest moment when you're watching that film? That because you guys know y'all were there together, you were at the mall. Something happened during the filming of that that has to be your proudest moment. What was it? Well, for me, it was the ending. It was the end of the film when Brad and I weren't, we weren't trying to think of some kind of ending. We weren't trying to do anything but film Mike mopping um, the floor and like just in a nice and just get some shots. And as we, you know, our cameras kind of slowly got closer and closer to him, he felt compelled to tell us that story about, you know, one of the gentlemen passing away. and. You know, after that happened, you know, Brad and I both looked at each other and we absolutely knew that that was probably the end of the movie. Yeah. And, you know, moments like that are, that's what, you know, you kind of get those from from allowing yourself to be at a mall for 10 hours and and letting things happen and not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's just a lot of patience. And at that time it paid off, at least for us. Brad? For him feeling open, him feeling comfortable with us enough just to tell us that in that moment and like we weren't even, he was telling us off camera he might as well have not been being filmed at that time and i think that 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 resonated and i think those are special moments when they when people forget about the camera yeah 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 for sure because because then it, it's truly real it's not uh, right. you're not having to everything brad what about you um i think i think that's probably i, I think i probably agree with that i think in terms of uh, feeling like we we put in the work to to capture something really very real. Um, that that would be a moment. But I, I also just really appreciate, you know, some of the lighter moments too. Like just, um, you know, the jewelry doctor deciding he wants to play his guitar in the middle of his store, and just doing that for us, you know, and and it, it feeling just kind of surreal and and strange. And I mean, I think visually, I, I really really love the scene outside with. Um, with Nikki and, and her friend just talking behind the mall, smoking cigarettes, you know, like yeah. talking about the, 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 the future, where they're going to be going or where they want to go. And just it, it, it felt, it feels really good to capture, you know, the kinds of thoughts or, or feelings that we all have 
Yeah. Um, in, in, in moments like that. I really appreciate that. But that's what showcased it because if you were an employee at that mall and you were her age, this is what you're thinking about. And mm, how sure. you were able to document that uncompromised is uh, it's a it's a it's the moon landing in terms of documentation. So I thought it was gorgeous. It was awesome, and I love that. Um, did anybody come to any of the the? Have y'all had any screenings with any any of the the cast? Well, unfortunately, like with COVID, it really kind of yeah stop that uh, we got you know with slam dance that was our one and only screening okay okay and, and in, anybody come to that no okay we tried to get mike to come but he had to fix the roofs so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, are, we are playing sidewalk uh film festival in birmingham at the end of the month so okay you know, we're obviously going to extend that anyone come so maybe That's a drive-in yeah it's a drive they're oh. doing it in a drive-in so, yeah. Perfect. Let, well, let, well, let's plug that for our listeners. So, again, uh, what is the date where they can see Jasper Mall actually in Alabama? Help me out. Let me let me get that for you real quick. Okay. I believe it's the 30th. Um, I believe it's the 30th, which is a Sunday. I'll, I'll get it, and then I'll say it in one good sentence for you. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's Sunday, August 30th at 8 p.m. at the uh, Sidewalk Film Festival, which is taking place at a drive-in. Leeds, Leeds yeah, drive-in. Drive but SidewalkFest.com has all the information. Okay. Tickets and, and all that stuff. Great. So. And we'll have links to that up, of course, on our website at TrickyKid.com and also on iHeartRadio page, iHeartRadio.com slash Tricky Kid Radio, and you'll see links so you can actually can see this film kind of in a way it might be kind of made to be be seen, uh, you know, in Alabama at a drive-in. And have you invited any of the the store owners or uh, or Mike to come to that screening? Yeah, we have. Okay, cool. Hope they come. You know, it's hard to yeah, everybody's so busy, but yeah. um, we definitely have invited them. So hopefully that'll work out. Well, I think that that was so funny because I was going to say, like, if you hadn't said the actual thing, I was going to say, oh, I guess Mike couldn't come because he had to fix the roof. And that really was real. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, a, he, yeah, he said he was literally too busy. I mean, he's a, a one-man band, so. Yeah, he sure is, man. But I, I, and what a, and I, I was picking up, maybe it was documented in the film and I just forgot, but I was picking up an accent from him. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, where he, he does he, he does have a he slips in and out of an Australian accent that he has. So okay, okay, and, and so and so did he talk about being from Australia in, in in the film, or did I just forget that? He doesn't talk about it in the film. Okay, because he kind of reminded me of kind of like a Steve Irwin. You know, he's kind of scrappy and small, and I kept getting these little hints of like I said, like a, a, a an Aussie accent. I just wanted to. I was like, did, did they talk about that? You know, but. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. He's just he's just born for the camera in a situation like this. Just him and his natural environment, and he just cares so much about this mall. Everybody, go see this. If you're not in Alabama, uh, it's on all the platforms where you can be able to. Again, we'll have links where you can see uh, Jasper Mall, uh, and we'll be right back uh, with more from Bradford Thomason and Brett Whitcomb, uh, and talking more about Jasper Mall and all of their amazing documentaries. 
Get ready for the MTV Lost Weekend with Van Halen. Do you have the guts to enter this contest? Destination unknown. You'll have no idea where you are. You'll have no idea where you're going. And probably no memory of it after you go. But it'll be the whole weekend. We shouldn't call it a contest because we don't know what's going to happen to the winner. Here's what we can tell you. We'll wait till the last minute to let you in on where and when you're going. Just drop us the right postcard and a big black limo takes you and a friend of the MTV Learjet. Then you're off on the Lost Weekend with Van Halen. This ain't no one-night stand. <laughs> That's right, you win two days of Van Halen concerts, parties, food, sound checks, loud music, and... How about a little joyride in the back of my limo? MTV gives you a thousand bucks in unmarked bills and a portable VCR so you'll have the evidence on videotape. On board the MTV Learjet, you'll get a private screening of Paramount Pictures' new movie, Footloose. And if you make it home, you'll each keep an Atari 5200 Super System with three Atari 5200 game program cartridges and the Honda Nighthawk 450. 1,000 runners-up win a copy of Van Halen's latest album, 1984. Van Halen, The Lost Weekend. Difficult to learn, risky to perform, and worth every minute of it, baby. I'll race you to the phone. That's a postcard, David. Send it to the MTV Lost Weekend with Van Halen. P.O. Box 1211, Radio City Station, New York, New York, 10101. Are you ready for the big time? It's ready for you. You guys, are you guys big Van Halen fans? How did you come to make make the Lost Weekend picture? Uh, I don't think I, neither of us are big Van Halen fans. Although I, I definitely developed, I think we both definitely developed uh, more of an appreciation for their music making the short. Uh, but really, it was more about uh, Kurt and the Lost Weekend story, and sort of you know just late nights watching MTV. Uh, commercials and bumpers and old music videos and coming across the Lost Weekend uh, trailer thing that the bumper that has David Lee Roth and he's on the couch with oh I I know it well (laughs) yeah Uh, and uh, you know just kind of the idea saying you know we should make a doc about about the guy who won that contest and then actually talking to Kurt hearing the story and how there was there were more layers to it than just the contest and and then coming across all the archive footage, I mean, all that coming together in, in such a way made us, you know, know we had to make that. Okay, okay. All the Van Halen photos that you see are Mark's. Okay, great. And, uh, and he was wonderful. He was really great to work with. I mean, he's just such a such a sweet guy. You know, he was immediately like, yeah, let me help, I'll help out however I can. You know, you guys, he, he just, I don't know, really seemed to, to be into the project. And, and Oh, yeah. Talk about someone who has had, I mean, you name a band and he's, toured with them you know i know i know it's it's crazy he's really great um so tell him we said hello i think i will for sure i think with regards to interviewing him or interviewing van halen i think that pretty early on we uh decided that we wanted to keep it with uh kurt and tom because um because i don't know in a sense you know keeping it their story uh you know first of all it's just a short so it's good to just not overcrowd a short with too many right. talking heads, I think. But also, it kind of keeps Van Halen and MTV and all those things sort of mythic and 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 the way that they that they were for a lot of us, I think, growing up. So for sure, for think, sure. Yeah, I think we we made that decision pretty early on. Well, I, I, like you mentioned, like Mark is the salt of the earth. He's the best, right? And and every time I talk to him, it's like I'll say something like, or I'll be wearing something or whatever, and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, I, I took that picture." Like the the shirt that I'm wearing that day, or, or it's yeah. just like it's crazy, 
And he has a, a great book that we're going to be plugging. That's why he's coming on the show called uh, The Decade That Rocked. And it's like his whole career. I mean, they're all the 80s albums that you like. He probably did the album cover. Twisted Sister, Bon Jovi, Cinderella, the whole bit, man. And, yeah. and if you did you guys grow up metal fans? Like, Because I remember going to the store and my whole thing was getting those like Hit Parader and Circus and... And that was that was Mark's bread and butter. So I, I met him much later in life. So that was a big thrill for me to meet him and get to know him because I always remember seeing his name in the magazines. Uh, did you guys grow up with that a little bit as well? I didn't. I was into mostly hip hop. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked some metal when I was in junior high, but I, I wouldn't say that I grew up. I didn't. I didn't have Hit Parade or anything, um, but I did. I did have a metal. Period, and I like I, I still like a lot of metal. Just I kind of like a little bit of you know all of it. Yeah, same. I like metal now. I just uh, as a young as a kid, person. you were a hip hop guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of into both of it. But I um uh, I want to ask you this so, about, about the film. So okay, so but getting back to it here is so once you 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 saw okay so when you very first saw that Lost Weekend bumper trailer like you were describing. Were you aware of it, or was that the first time it ever came onto your radar? You know, that's hard to say. I, I feel like maybe it was in the back of my mind. Like I feel like, because I mean, I would have been, I would have been a little younger. I guess I would have been five years old or whatever. But I feel like I had seen it, but I, I definitely hadn't thought about it in a very okay. long time. Okay. I didn't know the details. I didn't know. I hadn't really connected all of that stuff. Okay. So Brett, you being a hip hop guy, when how how when you saw the bumper of the you know the David Lee Roth you know describing the you know the details of the contest, was that the first time you you had seen it or hadn't heard about it? Yes. Okay. I just I just remember you know MTV in general, and it had that vibe, it had that aesthetic that that is you know that kind of mail in postcard thing is long gone. And the idea that you could go win a contest and travel with a band, just the, it's like a larger picture of all those logos that we used in the film where they're, you know, that someone standing on the MTV rock and it breaks as they're rocking out. All those animated things were definitely embedded in my brain. So it was kind of a all-encompassing thing. But as far as like that particular ad, I'd never heard you of never, it. You never Brad. seen it, okay. Not until Brad sent it to me. Okay, so so that's that's the thing too. Is it so once again, like you know, Brad, you pass by the mall, send it to Brett. We got to do this. What what was it about that, that 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 spoke to you that made you want to come to Brett and say maybe there's something here as well? Um, well, I mean, at first it's kind of much more abstract. You know, it's just like, oh, here's this guy, or not even here's this guy. Here's this contest. Who won it? I mean, clearly the whole the whole idea of the contest was, you know, win the contest, party with Van Halen, and who knows what'll happen. Right. You know? So, so the idea generates from what actually happened. Um, I think again, like like with the mall, had we reached out to Kurt and had the story not been interesting or more multi layered, um, we might have passed on it. You know, we might have just not made it. But but we kind of really connected with him and his story. Um, you know, and then, like I said, once we got the got our hands on some archive footage, it was like, you know, this is there's enough here for a film. Right. Okay. I, I'm I'm really, and also I know that uh, that our our listeners are really 
they're nerds, so they're really into the ephemera of the, the process. And I'm seeing a couple of people asking right now is, um, so that right there, what you just said. So you thought, okay, there could be something here. How do we proceed? Walk me through that. Like when you, you said whenever you got the archive footage, how did did Mark lead you to that, or how did, how did you go about that? Was it through MTV or, or was it through Mark? Uh, no, the the footage the footage has been out there circulating amongst Van Halen fans for years. I mean, you know, Van Halen fans are there's a lot of them, and they're you know they're organized, and yes. so they uh, we you know, are organized. Circulate, yeah, they, yeah, you're organized. They've been circulating a DVD with that on it forever, but it wasn't very good quality. Um, it was actually Richard Shankman who directed um, the original. Uh, like there was a nine or twelve minute documentary that that came on MTV back in the day about the contest winner. Okay. Um, also, all the bumpers, the ones we were talking about, he directed those. Um, and you know, it was just a situation where he happened to have, um, you know, his dailies on a tape, and that's that's how we got it. And okay. We, you know, we I, big huge thanks to Richard because also there's someone who was just so helpful to us and and really you know kind of thought the idea was great, didn't ask anything of us, and just helped us out you know so really big thanks to richard that's that's yeah, outstanding yeah Go ahead. criteria and you start whittling away at it you start picking okay so where do we start um and on with this one brad found you know the person that directed all those and he was so chill about just everything in general and then when you reach out to tom and kurt and they're totally into it, a little weirded out, but like, sure, let's talk more. When all the pieces start falling into place, before you know it, you're making a movie. Yeah. Yeah, but also, too, though, what's interesting is that, okay, is it the order you go in? Like, Brad had the idea. Okay, so in order to make this happen, we got to make sure that Kurt's into it. So if Kurt's into it, then we are off to the races. And But are we going to have a film if we don't have the archival footage? So how do you prioritize that? I feel like we waited. I feel like we waited to to get the archive in a quality we were happy with before we even went to do the interviews. Is that right? I'm kind of kind of yeah. forgetting the the order there, but I do think that we wanted to make sure because we knew it was going to be so archive rich. We didn't want just a film that was just you know two two guys talking the whole time. We knew we needed to have it in a in a in a good quality that we could present. You know, so I think we waited until we secured that, and then we immediately hit the road and interview two guys okay so what was the big reveal there because i mean i mean like or how's this let me ask this was there an agenda that you had that changed once you once you got into it that you learned more about kurt well we're in it for the we're along the ride just like kind of the viewer is so we we try not to ask too many questions of of kurt you know before we go there um, we, we kind of get our bases and make sure he's comfortable more than anything. That's like the most important thing is sure. he's cool with telling his story. And then when he is, we don't send him questions or anything. We just go to his house and, and take that chance and try to make the environment as comfortable as possible. And we're learning as he's talking. So just all the revelations that, you know, him, like the fact that he got hurt and, you know, the, all the things that he went through during the concert were all revelations that we learned as we were you know, okay. conducting the interview for sure. 
Well, so but, but was there something? Because uh, I was surprised because I didn't know all about that, and and I love it that the guy that won was just kind of this nerdy guy from nowhere, Pennsylvania. I mean, that's the guy that should have won that contest, right? Uh, but what we didn't learn, didn't know until now, because you, thanks to you guys, is that he had some sort of history. Uh, I guess not with mental illness, but he had some accident that that left him somewhat impaired or something. Is that right? Yeah, in college he had a his freshman year in college he had a he had a traumatic brain injury from a fall. And so and and and, and it, at some point, because of what was happening during the con- concert or during the I guess the lost weekend. His friend had to notify uh, the the producers of this to kind of let him know that this that there's a you know but, but I, I felt like that there was still something I was missing there did did, did something else happen uh, like he did was he able to finish the entire weekend or did he go home early or did they abort it in some way because I felt like I, I didn't quite get that uh, he the, he really went hard the first night. And, you know, I think that's when that's when Tom, uh, you know, let MTV know about his history. Right. Okay. And I think he, he laid pretty low for the rest of the time. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he was yeah. still there, but yeah. <laughs> right. that was the first night was his night to, to shine. Right. Tom <laughs> said that he kept he went actually the second night without Kurt or something. And Kurt kind of hung out, hung out at the hotel or something. Yeah, he hung back. He, he wasn't nearly as as engaged in, in everything as he because he you know because like he says in the short he he wasn't supposed to be drinking at all. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So was it directly related though to the brain injury, or he just shot his wad that first night, like any of us probably would have, being in a room with Van Halen? So him missing the second night of the concert uh, was it directly? I don't think he missed it. I just think he didn't party in the same. He okay, so, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess he had to have gone to it because they they doused him with a cake at the end and all that. Yeah, he was around. He okay. just didn't he just didn't party in the same way. I think that was the, that stuff was the first night. Okay. But he, um, you know, I think that it's like Tom says in the short. He, you know, he if if he drank too much and fell down, he could slip back into a coma. You know, like yeah. he he wasn't supposed to be drinking um, or doing anything really, and and he he chose to anyway, which yeah. is you know kind of a rock and roll decision i guess <laughs> right yeah. van halen right you know yeah. well uh, but that was that was so cool that uh that you guys were able to find them and they were both up for it and once again like i said about all of your films i'm just happy that it exists like for me that's like porn like a thing a documentary about the van halen lost weekend i still quote that shit i always say oh god all the line because david lee roth in that little short is it's the greatest thing in the world right i mean it's yeah. um I mean, and so, and also, it's, it's probably a good thing too because see, one thing people don't also realize is that Van Halen is got to be the most underdocumented story of all the big bands. Uh, you know, none of the members have ever written an autobiography. I mean, David Lee Roth did like ten years ago, but it's just Dave being Dave. It's not really revealing anything. Um, and even right now, people don't know what the hell's going on with Van Halen. That's why it's always so. Anytime you get a little bit of something, it's always interesting. Um, and, and also, if you wanted to interview them, it might have been a hard a hard deal to, to have done because, again, they're so uh, reclusive, uh, especially the, the, the Van Halen brothers. Um, but, again, I'm just glad that it exists. I want to make sure I got all the questions from all the people that, that, that came in. Um, I know, again, I know it was designed to be a short. Like I said, I loved it so much. I was hoping for, you know, for more, of course. Uh, was there any footage that you felt like that, 
it could have made it longer or or like if if uh, uh, I guess I'm asking this is it was there any footage that you saw of the archives that that we've never seen that you felt like that you couldn't put into the film? I don't think so. I mean, we felt pretty good about what we about what we put together lengthwise. I mean, um, you know, there's 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 probably more to the story, but yeah, you know, with, well, with the interview we got and feeling comfortable with our with Kurt and with Tom, you know, we, okay. we feel good about what we chose. Yeah. What about this also too? Because I know that the whole deal was like, I'm not taking my girlfriend, I'm taking my best friend. But you do see footage of them with two girls. Mm-hmm. Was that girls that they met there, or did they bring those girls? I'm pretty sure that was uh, MTV. Uh, you know, I thought like, so too. That was because they were filming that documentary, so I think they wanted to. They they showed them getting in the limo like four times. So okay, they're just okay. getting they're getting shots and they're trying to make them look cool. So yeah, exactly. Well, that's the challenge, is because I have to ask questions that I feel like I already know the answer to, but you know the <laughs> listeners have to. You know, I, I can't sure. just. It has to come from, from, from your mouth there. But, uh, again, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, if there was, uh, you know, again, it, the only thing is that I just wanted more of it. But, again, I understand sure. that that was, that was the deal. Um, and I will say hello to Mark for you. Did you guys go to his house where you could see all of his archives? Did you? Nope. Oh. He just, he, just, uh, he just sent me some... He sent me some uh, options, and they were all great. He chose a few. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll see you'll be able to see his lair in our King's X project because all of that shit, like the original prints and everything else, exists in this massive uh, area in his house. That's like filing cabinet after filing cabinet, and uh, uh, it's, I'm just so glad that, that you know you guys were able to include uh, or that Mark was a part of that. So. Okay, uh, so now Glow, for okay, so I wanted to tell you guys that you guys were directly responsible for me actually learning about what the Cauliflower Alley Club was that led me going there to their 50th anniversary, that led me to meeting a couple of the Glow girls that are now great friends of mine uh, that I have now have participated. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. It was your documentary took me on that trajectory so thank you guys for that um once again i was a massive glow fan i watched it on sunday mornings did you guys watch glow and how did you come to make the documentary i mean yeah we i mean i i definitely watched glow um a ton 
And it, so it's just a, one of the, another one of those things that's embedded into uh, my childhood. And I love the show. I love the characters and skits. It was super campy and fun. Yeah. Um, so kind of it's one of those things like Rockefeller kind of re-finding it later in life um, in, a, in a time that we were making films was like a really good, you know, it was just felt right. Uh, made a show. You, I mean, how responsible do you guys feel for, for, for that, that happening? I think the show is definitely, um, you know, inspired by the documentary. I think that, you know, the, the sort of story that was told in the doc, um, you know, I think contributed to what, what made the, the creators of the show want to make, uh, the series. Okay. Um, and, and for us, it was just an honor. I mean, that they, that they did it, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's hugely successful and, and people love glow and it's helped us because people watch the series and then go watch the doc, you know, and yeah. that's really all we ever wanted was for people to watch the doc. And it's definitely contributed to popularity of the film. Well, it's also a calling card. You can say uh, like, Oh, you're a filmmaker. What have you made? What we were, we're the guys that made that glow movie. Oh, I've seen that. You know, right? Did anybody from the show ever contact you for for any reason? I don't know. For any, thought you guys might have some sort of archival stuff. So um, I also wanted to, I'd be remiss, you know, we just lost Becky, uh, who who portrayed uh, the farmer's daughter uh, on the first two seasons of Glow, and we just lost her. And uh, um, uh, my friend Tracy Meltzer, who uh, played the role of Roxy Astor, uh, sure. On the original one, and of course Patricia Summerland, who uh, was of course Sunny the California Girl, uh, two great friends of mine now. Think again, thanks to, to you guys. Uh, I've been a professional wrestling fan my entire life, but for some whatever reason, I had never heard about the Cauliflower Alley. Uh, I guess because it's and that's kind of by design on their part because they kind of want to keep it more industry based and it's not really a fan thing. Uh, but I just happened to, uh, but I, I went there again with, with Diamond Dallas Page, uh, who was being honored at their 50th, and and it all kind of came together, and I that's where I met Roxy and, and Sonny, uh, and then since then, like I said, they've had cruises and stuff that I've been involved with, and uh, and just have, have enjoyed a great relationship with them, and, and that was such a great big part of my childhood as well. Talk to me about so again, Brett, you said that you were a fan growing up. So was this now an idea that you pitched to Brad? I I don't remember that. I, I you know the glow like Rockafire. I think we we found a YouTube video with Rockafire of a Bubba Sparks video, and um, you know I sent it to Brad and was like, look, this is insane. I wonder what this guy is doing like in his house right now more just like pure yeah. interest right right and it, grew, it grew from there and i think glow is probably another one of those things where it was like you know hey brad do you remember the show you know and it's like then we just talk about it and that things evolve from there uh, yeah um, you know based on you know how accessible are people how you know has someone made a film about this already right sure you know all these criteria you check off and then if things slowly start going and and turns into a you know now we're running with all these ideas and and you know next thing we know we're booking flights and you know so who was the craziest motherfucker you you dealt with uh in the whole glow experience who was who was really you know over the top oh well matilda the hun i mean she was yeah, I guess that's pretty easy. She was, 
yeah. spectacular. I mean, we went to her place and, you know, she was in full costume and, you know, she put us in headlocks and, <laughs> you know, I mean, she, she really brought, she really, I mean, she was, she was her character when she wanted to be. And then she was also very personal and honest in the interviews. I mean, you know, right. she was just a, a really wonderful interview. And then of course, you know, getting to have the chance to interview Mountain Fiji at that time, you know, was, was really special, I think. And, and then when we got to the reunion, you know, we met a lot of people we hadn't before, like Beastie and, you know, all kinds of characters who we had just seen video of. And it was fun. Uh, but now, were you guys also, were y'all wrestling fans then or now currently or, or became them after the fact? I was for sure. My mom used to take me to the summit in Houston for Royal Rumbles. I, I had Hulk Hogan shirts, big Ultimate Warrior fan. So um, I I love, I have old Polaroid pictures of me, you know, front row of like, uh, I think it's like 1984 or something. Wow. Uh, of me uh, at at a Royal Rumble and so I loved it you know I loved wrestling that's it my mom my mom did too (laughs) Uh, Brad not so much I know I mean I I liked wrestling too I I never went to any uh, wrestling matches Um, I did watch glow a lot um, as a kid I I had a TV in my room uh, pretty young and and I would watch that late at night but I I mean you know I liked all the you know Brutus and Barber Beefcake and oh yeah yeah obviously Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and all those all, all those wrestling stars seem so larger than life totally totally and even and it could just be being nostalgic but they seem larger than more larger than life than the current wrestling stars do for some reason like ted dibiase and you know like hacksaw jim duggan all those all those wrestling people were so memorable it's well, just like the way mike tyson felt like he was you know the way he looked and the way boxing Totally. Back then, it, it, yeah. feel, it felt different than it does now. Well, I think also too is because if you remember, like talking about larger than life, almost every wrestler's gimmick was that they were something other than a wrestler, other than themselves. Sure. Whereas now, yeah. you know, when a wrestler enters a ring, they're a wrestler. End of story. Right. Randy Orton's a wrestler. He's not the goon. He's not a, a patriot. He's not from Mars. He's not a Repo Man. He's not. You know, a hillbilly. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's why. Is that back then too, and we were, you know, we also we remember this as young people. But growing up in Texas, I'm surprised that you know you guys have. Uh, I've heard you say anything about, say, uh, of course, the Von Erich brothers and world class wrestling and all that sort of thing. And uh, that's a story I've th- thought about telling as well. It's been kind of told now, and and it's such a sad story too that it's a, it's something that. People might want to know more about and from. Um, we had Kevin Von Erich on the show uh, a, a couple of years ago, and um, and and also his sons wrestle. Uh, I had a small stint for a couple of years where actually I was calling independent matches uh, here in the Texas Oklahoma area, and I got to actually call Marshall and Ross Von Erich's very first match, um, wow. and that was that was a that was a great honor for me and, and getting to talk with Kevin. Um, and, and, and having a relationship with him and stuff was, was, was great. But uh, so, <clears throat> my, so before we move on to, cause I, I, uh, to last but not least, of course, Rock of Fire. And I won't say I saved the best for last, but I just watched this last night. And it was, I, 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 I'll do my best not to weep during this because this, that, that was the <laughs> best thing in the world. I loved it so much. Um, but uh, who was your favorite glow? person 
then, like, when you watch it as a kid versus who you actually met. Like, for example, like, I love the Russian girl the most. Now my favorite, of course, is my girl Roxy. So, Brad, let's start with you. Uh, Godiva wasn't my favorite. Back in the day she was. Yeah, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's a wonderful she's a wonderful person, gave us a wonderful interview and you know, we hung out with her at Hot Docs, so yeah, she she's great. That's awesome. Brett? I think Hollywood for me. But she looks fantastic still, man. And Gignol's film was like eight years ago, right? It was like two thousand and twelve. And I just saw her, um golly, I guess. It, it, in January in Vegas, uh, whenever they tore down, we were there. I was there with them whenever they uh, did the implosion for the Riviera, where they used to shoot it. Uh, and so, me and a couple of the of the, the original girls went out there and kind of did a thing and all that. And I was just like, um, but so yeah, so Hollywood, yeah, she's great, and she's also a great ambassador uh, for that brand uh, in terms of really keeping it. Is she's like the encore to kind of keeping that legacy alive. So. I know it's been a while, but it's never too late. If you haven't seen Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling film made by Bradford and uh, and Brett here, you got to check it out. I know it's also available on all the, the platforms. The DVD is great. I actually bought uh, that actually from uh, them at their merch booth there at Cauliflower Alley. A lot of, a lot of great oh, extras cool. there and all that. Um, and again, if, if you've only have seen uh, the Netflix show, uh, check out this documentary, and you got to go back uh, and see some of the original uh, footage there. It's I know it's available everywhere. And uh, hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. On three stages at Showbiz Pizza Place, the Rock of Fire Explosion. The summer vacation is real as well. And starring the greatest fresh baked pizza made to order. Over 60 new games and rides. You probably have heard of Chuck E. Cheese. Before that, it was a place called Showbiz Pizza, also known as Heaven on Earth uh, for kids in the South. It was formed, actually, in 1980. And this is also why I wanted to ask you guys, because we just did an entire episode all about all things in 1980. You know, JR getting shot, the whole bit. Uh, and Showbiz Pizza started right down the road here in Irving, Texas, in 1980. And the premier entertainment that separated them from the pack was they had a showroom floor that had these animatronic uh, animals playing in a band. And the band was called the Rock of Fire Explosion. Uh, and these fine gentlemen uh, did us all a solid. We're all better people if you have seen this documentary uh, for making this thing. Uh, again, it's named after the band Rock of Fire Explosion. Again... I don't want to keep asking the same questions and whatever, but just tell me because this is your first film, right? This this is how this is how you guys became filmmakers now, right? Okay. Well, kind of, kind of. Okay, okay. Well, but still, Brett, walk me through how did this happen, uh, and 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 take me through more of a people's history as compared to an academic sense. Um, we had. This was like early, early, like trying to figure out, you know, 
wanting to make films, wanting to make narratives, trying to figure out that documentaries are easier to make, quote unquote easier, because you can make them on a lower quality camera and it's more acceptable, news right. quality. Right. So it was more affordable and just, you know, I remember watching all the HBO documentaries as a, as a kid, a teenager, kind of remembering all these docs that I really liked. And it was just early ideas of, you know, working two jobs to save money to buy the equipment. And then, you know, because we had made a, a documentary in Houston about the homelessness problem that Houston had. Okay. Because it was really strong at that time. I used to see it a lot. So we, we kind of tried that and it, it didn't quite work out. Um, and just learning by error, learning by making mistakes and, when we found that video of, of Bubba Sparks on YouTube, and you know, at that time, eight hundred thousand views was a lot on YouTube. Yes, yeah, uh, still is. Wrong turn, yeah. What seven? I yeah. think. Yeah. Maybe. When we saw that, we were like, "This is insane! It's amazing!" And there's a guy who loves this band so much that he bought all the, saved his money, bought all the characters, and put them in a garage behind his house. And I think just the passion behind that was equal to the passion of wanting to make these movies. And so it was like, you know, we were on the same wavelength as Chris. He was collecting robots and we were collecting video equipment. And we were like, let's just go and, and try to make this documentary head first, you know, make all the mistakes possible, but let's do it no matter what, you know? It right. Was like, it, it was like our film school almost, you know? It was like, um, and luckily because Chris and Aaron were such amazing people and they were so open with us, you know, that really shines through the film, like their heart. And so, oh, yeah. And that, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to capture the thing we brought. But so I think it was just all very organic at the time. Yeah, I think we, I think we, our initial idea was just to go, I think we went, actually went to Phoenix, Hill, Alabama to film with Chris, not even fully sure that we were going to interview anyone beyond him if i'm if i'm not mistaken and then chris once we connected chris connected us with aaron and then once we got aaron's story the film just exploded i mean like because there's so much there uh with him and his warehouse and stuff so i think that it's it was just also a lesson in us being you know flexible and 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 allowing the story um as we were you know beginning to understand it to, to unfold as we were making the film a little bit too, because you know, Aaron is such a huge part of the film, and, and he wasn't in the beginning. So, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, he is the story. Go ahead. It's yeah. almost like a band. We, you know, we, we we when Chris said we could come to his house, half of it was us just wanting to go to his house to experience <laughs> the band, and half of it we had cameras. Yeah. And our friends, we had our friends with us, um, uh, and we rented a van and we drove there, um, and we. I think while we were there, he said, hey, Aaron Fector called me and said, if y'all want to talk to him, he's fine with it. You yeah. know, and we were like, oh. So, I mean, talk about what we would do now versus then. Now we would do all the pre-production and producing right, right. before. And we'd have everything lined up. Then it was like, just go. And Glow was like that, too. Glow, there was a lot of 
pre-pro, but Glow was like we'd interview someone and then they would lead us to someone else and right. we'd have to extend our stay in LA because we're like, wow, we've interviewed 15 people this week. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we wanted to give everyone a chance who wanted to be in that film to be in the film. So we were just open. And um, we still try to make films like that. Uh, but Rock and Fire was definitely very, we were very green and very fortunate that Aaron was uh, open to us coming to his uh, warehouse and letting us spend time with him. Well, I mean, I, that's one of the people that are asking questions right here. We were saying, like, like, how much of that was just so you wanted to be able to experience oh, yeah. Rock of Fire in, in person, right? But uh, We didn't even care if it turned into a film. We were happy to be there because we were fans just as much as everyone there. We were, yeah. we were in heaven walking around that old warehouse with oh, all the... It was just God. like, I would sleep in there if I could. Totally! So, yeah, so we were... It was half and half for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I just, and you guys were completely unaware of, again, of the story, right? You just saw the Bubba Sparks video. Uh, you know, it's funny because we're talking about all things 1980 and things that happened and began that year. Well, the two things, two other more things we can add to the list is Bradford Thomason and Brett Wickham were born that year, right? You guys were both born in 1980? Yeah, I was 79. Yeah. Okay, well... Just be a sport, Brad. We'll say you're born yeah, in 1980. 1980. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we make updates, so I think yeah, it's fine. Right, sure. Um, but I, I asked that, Buzz, because I wondered, uh, what was your experience as, as, as children uh, going to showbiz and stuff? Do you guys have vivid memories of this? Yeah, my I had a... It was really my aunt and uncle. I, I didn't go as much with my parents. I'm not sure why, but my aunt and uncle would take their kids uh, quite a bit. So we went... Uh, there's one in Pasadena, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Pasadena, Texas, and, um, you know, just go and play in the ball pit and, you know, play the different games and then go and eat pizza and watch the Rock of Fire Explosion and all the things that that are sort of touched on naturally in the film, like, you know, the, the way they were kind of frightening in a way and, you know, the way that behind the curtain they would be, you know, kind of scary, the way they were sitting there. I mean, all of that was stuff that, that I experienced as a kid with the rock fire explosion I mean, yeah they were just they were so they were so big they were so imposing in, in their stature and honestly even when we got to see them in chris's uh shed all those years later they still felt enormous i mean i, I was kind of thinking they would feel kind of maybe even a little chintzy once we got next to them but right they didn't you know well, that was that was my next question. I was going to ask yeah. you to, to, to compare because you know, as adults, you always see something for the first time as an adult, and it always seems so much smaller, or it's kind yeah. of disappointing. And I just wanted to know, uh, and Brett, I'll ask you the same thing. How, how did it compare from your memories as a kid to now seeing it as an adult for the first time? Well, you get the artistry now. I think. I mean, like for me at least, they're, they're still big. They still feel imposing, but you also are looking at them and just marveling at how yeah. beautiful they are and how they're how they're pan painted and just you start to look at things that you didn't when you were a kid when you see them as an adult. Right, I guess an appreciation through the eyes of an adult. Right, you know. Right. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, okay, is Chris Thrash is such an interesting guy because. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Obviously, you know, he he kind of looks, you know, like somebody that people wouldn't take seriously. Um, uh, he speaks in a very thick southern accent, but when he talks, he's he's speaks beautifully, and and what he says is so articulate and wonderful, and just and he has just so much heart. I mean, his presentation would not lend itself to that, unfortunately, right? So. 
what I love about him is that I think that all too often people might dismiss him and his love for this thing as being something like, why didn't he let be able to let this go? Like, why why is this still an obsession? And, they, and, and again, because of his appearance or whatever or his presentation, it would be easy to dismiss it as autism or whatever you know you know so, something unkind um what impression did you get because because after watching the film i just felt like i could almost relate to him like he loves this so much fuck it why why not have it what what do you, did you guys get that by spending that much time with a guy like chris thrash that i might not have gotten just from watching the film I mean, it's just like when you watch an Errol Morris film, like Gates of Heaven or something, and you feel like you're, you know those people, and you know, you might have preconceptions about somebody if you drive by and see them sitting on the porch, and they have like a yard full of turtles and animals and stuff, and then when you talk to them and their passion comes out, and you're like, wow, you know, they're passionate about that just as much as I'm passionate about synthesizers or something. So, what I like about it is when we were interviewing him we things that were coming out and things that were happening were all real and we were learning it as we were filming and everything we learned is on the surface so there's nothing i don't remember i hardly remember chris in the background uh, you know as opposed to being on screen it was all very very loose and he was very comfortable talking about it because he was so passionate about it so he could flow when he talked about it because it was everything to him mm-hmm. and he, and regardless of whatever it is anybody's passionate about if, if if that's what they dedicated their life to it's pretty impressive yeah totally so, and you can see him coming alive when he's talking yeah. about it i loved it so much yeah uh, is there any update uh, on him? Have y'all stayed in touch with him? Have you heard from him or anything? We've uh, tried here and there, but he's not really on social media that much. Right. And um, I haven't I haven't talked to him in a very long time. Um, you know, I, I think he's, despite the film, I think he's a fairly private person. Um, I think he was happy to show us uh, and let us document this one thing about him um, but uh, but other than that I think you know regardless of that I don't think he would you know I think he's pretty private okay um, okay now you know Damon Breland who actually has an entire band also in a, in a garage he's still he's very active in the community I text with him a lot on Instagram he okay. wants us to release a you know a new Rock Fire DVD he keeps talking to me about that so you know I kind of let people, if people want to continue, we, you know, we do. And if, if they want their privacy, we also respect that after the fact. Well, I just didn't know if, if, if he also, like I asked earlier, if any, any of those people had come to any of the screenings that you did early on. Yeah, and, yeah he did. They, they, they did. For sure. Everybody that's, that's, that's awesome. It, you know, it's so funny because this Aaron, uh, uh, how do you say his last name? Is it Fector? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Fector. He's like such like this like Florida like like good looking like beach guy, yeah. You know, yeah. he's like fit and yeah, yeah. It has all of his hair, you know. Yeah, he just looks the same. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Today. Oh, even today, twelve years later. 
Oh yeah, he works out. He's like, he looks great. I hope I can look like him when I'm, you know, older. He's that guy. He's really like, I don't know what juice he's making, but it's working. Yeah, yeah, but he looks like a kind of guy that probably has probably what he would do for a living. Is that he's the infomercial guy? You know, make drink this and you'll look this way. Because when you were you were showing the archive footage back in the day, he didn't look that much different. You yeah, know. Yeah. And what I sure. was, I mean, it was almost like, okay, well, how. How longer was that? Because it doesn't look much different. I what we think is he's made a robot of himself, <laughs> and that right, it's a robot now. And I think he's going to look the same forever. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know what? I mean, who knows? Well, you know what? I don't know. I mean, because his girlfriend wife was like, like she's like a movie star. She's like super gorgeous, and but isn't that crazy? I mean, you guys have had to have shit yourself when you found out that his wife was... He met her via the Rockafire thing. Yeah, was, for sure. It was one of those things just kind of learning as we are interviewing. So we're, it's the same thing. You know, while we're interviewing, um, kind of we learned that. And yeah, we, it was super... It was like, great, can we interview Carrie? And sure. Yeah. And so you're not expecting like this, like again, like this super nerd guy to look like Magnum P.I. And then... <laughs> One of his biggest fans, because again, you know, I mean, we can have some fun here. I'm a big nerd. We're all nerds here. We're self-aware that it's not that when people are there at Chris's place and you're all seeing it's kind of a dorky kind of dude type kind of thing. And I don't mean to make, make that gender specific. I love that that that, that would be something that also uh, that anybody could relate to, right? But again, you know, I, I hate to to, to pr- participate in that type of, of, of stereotype. But you're not really expecting, you know, this really attractive, younger, younger than Aaron, uh, um, uh, to be like so into it that she, <laughs> and then she fell in love with the guy who made it. So the the whole story is just fantastic. Uh, again, and and I I saw it on YouTube. Is there an actual physical copy of this somewhere? I mean. If you were, if you got the DVD back in the day when they okay. were selling them, I, I, there was a VHS release one time, and um, but now it's completely out of print. We would have to renegotiate deals and kind of figure okay. things out to re-release it again. So you know, if if that opportunity ever comes up, we'll definitely explore that. But for now, you you know, it's all. I don't even know who has it on YouTube. I don't even know what that is, but you know, yeah. we, we we're just happy that people can watch it. Right, okay. But well, there's one on Amazon for two hundred fifty dollars if you want to. Uh, it, so. uh, is it? <laughs> you know what? If it's yeah. got if it's got extra footage, I uh, uh, well, so but how about this? Does, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, like, you know, so oh, I was going to ask you, I forgot about the, about the mall thing, okay. So yeah, so okay, so real fast, I forgot because that, that was I was gonna kick myself. I forgot about this. Just real fast, go back to Jasper just for a second. Uh, Michael Galinsky is a great friend of ours, and he uh, of course came out with uh, two great books, um, and most recently a play on the words of a, of a great documentary back in the '80s called "The Decline of Western Civilization," called "The Decline uh, of Mall Civilization." And uh, it, give me just one, one, one second here. I was going to show this to you here, if I can find it. Yep. And here it is, right here, oh, is the book here. And so when I was watching the um, the movie, I was I text him to say, and because I and I was thinking like, okay, because when you Google like '80s malls, he was the only one that was documenting this shit back in the day. 
crazy. It, I mean, because because who the fuck would have thought? You know, I'm going to go to the mall today. I'm going to go to Aladdin's castle. Going to bring my camera. Nobody was thinking that. And also, right, it's insane. It's insane. And not to mention not only that too, but cameras for a poor kid. Not only that, I don't even have one. If I did. Dude, you were very carefully with each picture had to count. You weren't just gonna throw it away at a you know at a mall. So when I was watching it, I was thinking, I was like, man, I wonder if they know about Michael and his book and the whole bit. And at the very end, I saw that I, I did pick up on that. So, so um, I wanted to tell people that because when you mentioned about the Amazon thing, um, is that he sold this through Kickstarter, and since the supply couldn't meet the demand, these are now going on Amazon for ridiculous his yeah. first book goes for over a thousand dollars and i think this one is going for about 500 right now so uh, it's i have amazing it's a one-of-a-kind thing i mean like yeah. you said who would have had the forethought to do that and their compo the composition and yeah, the great photos it's, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind thing i think it's worth every penny whatever you pay for it. i think i think so too and i get it and we have links to this and also pictures and we did a we did a whole um, again, we do a bit of a retro thing, and so we last year we did 30 years of 1989, just like I said a couple weeks ago, we did 40 years of 1980. Uh, and, and us talking about Rock of Fire uh, will be, it's a series we're doing, so a bit of this will be a part of that. So you guys will be, oh, this is why we're getting so much footage um, today, because we're going to kind of string it along through a couple several different episodes and stuff but uh i just wanted to mention that to you because i would have been remiss because i, I love michael so much and and i love that, that, yeah. that, he, that he did this and um because again like i said not only are the pictures so freaking great but it's like bless him for for you know for for you know documenting that as well um what do you know about this i know that chris thrash back to rock of fire the revelation that he opened a restaurant. He, I mean, not only does he have it, but he actually has a restaurant. So he took, did he take, obviously, his Rock of Fire out of the garage and he put it in this restaurant. Do you know if that restaurant is still happening and thriving and people can visit it? It's not. Uh, I don't think so, yeah. It was open for a while. You know, this happened, we actually added that part after the movie had its film festival run. Okay. Right. You know, once we realized that he was doing that, I asked him to send me some video phone footage of him and Sandy um, in front of the store, and they did, and we added that epilogue. Um, and and then we, you know, we we kept up with it. It did it did I think pretty well for a while, and um, I, I'm not sure what happened, but I don't think it's no longer open. Oh, okay, okay. I keep forgetting that this was like 12 years ago, and I'm thinking. Shit, I got nothing better to do today. I mean, I'll take a drive well, down there and, you know. I think it, its location is tough. You know, I think he wanted to stay close to home. I think if he would have opened it in Nashville or Austin, Texas, maybe. Right, right. The market for it. Um, so who knows what happened. But I do know that that was, was a dream of his. Like, imagine, you know, starting from a, a little kid being obsessed and affected by those robots then one day being able to own the robots and open a restaurant and have that same effect on little kids that were watching it regardless of how long it was open he like come he you know i'm sure like that was the most fulfilling thing that he ever did you know? in his in his freaking life and it, it maybe at a time too probably the only restaurant in the world i know there's like one Correct. in kansas but but for the most part the only one and also oh. just he had them in a pristine condition yeah they were flawless 
Um, you know, there were other people that had them too, like Damon Breland has, you, you could go visit his place. Um, uh, he's got a, a, Smitty, a Smitty's Super Service gas station. Okay. Like, whole remade thing, and you can go there and stay and have birthdays, and he's oh, got wow. tables, and you, I think that's open, so okay. you, uh, you know, you could probably go, that, go there. Okay. Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. Well, so you know, well Ty Tabor from uh, from King's X is from Mississippi, so we got to go down there and do some filming here pretty soon. So that's that's a go. that's a good Just, that's a I good tip. I can connect y'all through Instagram, and then you can take it away. Uh, I I would love that. I, 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 all seriousness, I would love that. I and I would I would sure. definitely would take that ball and, and run with it for sure. That'd be sure, that'd be yeah. great, and we could maybe do a little little something here. Uh, anything to give back to the Rock of Fire Explosion, <laughs> and and again, like you said, there's a community, and I'm so. I'm so oblivious to that kind of stuff that, like, like just now after seeing the film, I'm going. I gotta have those records. How do I get those records? And, and you know, yeah. and and I'm again just today preparing for this interview, and and I've been preparing for a while, but uh, primarily just the Jasper thing, and and uh, and um, but I was just kind of learning so much about this that, uh, and what a great thing to have to be to be a part of that. I, I you know. And also, I just kind of felt like that, like like you said about how fulfilled that he felt, and he was self aware. He even said, "He goes, I don't know why I can't let it go, but you know who, you know who cares." But, but for you know, and you're rooting for this guy so much that you know that he doesn't make oh, probably a whole lot of money. So how's he affording this? We learned that he's he worked at a car dealership, and. Um, and what you want to say is, I don't want to betray what I said earlier about the whole thing about I'm so sick of people being so money motivated. But in his capacity, I was like, take that motherfucker to, like to Austin and you know make money and, and and so that you can do this and only this for the rest of your life because this is what this guy should be doing. Yeah, full time forever, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We only got about a couple minutes left here, so again, I want to, gentlemen, I want to thank you guys so much and thank you again. This app is actually pretty cool uh and want to thank our friends at hop in i'm sorry that we had a little bit of trouble with it uh today and uh um and i know it kind of ate up some more of our time but i'm glad it didn't didn't limit us or we had to reschedule or kind of take the win out of our sales here um i would love to meet you both in person sometime and have a beer with you and and and, and talk more in chat uh i hope you will when we finish the king's x film i hope you guys will uh um i will i'll send you guys a personal invitation and, and hope you guys will, will will join us um i will have to a- ask one thing what made you guys relocate to alabama uh, I met my who is my I met my wife Allie Clark who also works with us on our films and does the titles and animation and um, I met her at Sidewalk Film Festival here in 2012. Okay, and, um, you know moved here because there was a lot of work, uh, video work and stuff, and then uh, Brett came as well. So. Well, I mean, because again, when when you find your people, you got it's like a marriage, right? You got You got You got to stay together. So. And, and I love that. I, I love the, the the passion behind it. I love that that because uh, that's 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 a kindred spirit thing. You don't find a lot of that. So 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 bless you both on that. I can't wait for to see what's coming up next. And that's my last question: is what is coming up next? What are you guys working on right now? Uh, we're tossing around some ideas. We haven't okay. settled on anything quite yet. So okay, okay. Well, yeah. but so well when you do, you you will yeah. always be welcome here. Uh, and I thank I, you. Th- thank you. And I thank you guys so much, uh, I said, for today.
Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey everybody, this is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. All right, once again, I want to thank my guest, uh, Bradford Thomason and Brett Wiggum from Windows Pictures. Like I said, man, like any one of their films would just bond us forever. But God, they made five of them. I haven't even seen the fair one, so I'm very excited to do that. Uh, again, make sure you check us out. Um, I wanted to, to give a shout out to uh, our sponsors. Once again, I want to thank Zoom for upgrading us to the H8. I want to thank Blackstone Labs. Uh, I'm doing this kickboxing thing. They've been keeping me rolling uh, with uh, the whey protein uh, and the BCAAs and all that kind of stuff. Check out Sunstone Fit. If you're, I'm also doing the yoga thing. Uh, right now they're offering uh, some, some great prices during this whole pandemic situation. Hope everybody's taking care of themselves and staying safe. I hope this thing ends uh, sooner and later, we, we love to, uh, I, I never ever mentioned the whole COVID thing on the show because this is supposed to be your escape, and I'm so grateful for you guys joining us this week. Uh, make sure you download, we got this whole archive, if you just now discovered us through retro stuff or hip-hop or prints, um, and, and all those different communities, uh, man, you've got a whole uh, thing to enjoy, to, to look into, um, that will really, uh, you know, take you away from all this this nonsense and one last thing speaking of prints um my man dj numb is going to be uh, does these great uh threads on twitter where they they take a, a classic prince album or any prince album rather uh and then they break it down track by track and they pick it you know 10 different writers artists fans uh you know uh, people of academia you know uh scholars and um, I'm actually going to be participating on in one of my favorite Prince records. I'm so excited to be part of this, just any record, but to be part of with the, this community of people. Uh, in celebration of the uh, the Sound of the Times, finally, God, we've waited our whole lives, haven't we, for that super deluxe thing to come out with all those all those extra songs. We're going to be talking about the, the actual main album proper, uh, and I'm going to be participating. So make sure you check that out. You'll be able to see that on Twitter. My handle is uh, Tricky Kid, the number two. That's Tricky Kid and the number two. And I thought, you know, it would be kind of fitting to close you out here. Uh, how about some music from the Rock of Fire Explosion? Once again, thanks to my guest. Hang in there, man. Uh, we'll see you next week. I bet that pizza tastes good. Mm-hmm. Smells good. Mm-hmm. I bet it is good. I'll be right back, boys. Mm-hmm. You won't even miss me. I'll put my piano on automatic pilot. It is not just a piano, you know. It's magic. It can do anything. Listen here. It can laugh, it can sing, it can do about anything, any sound you ever heard, like a hog or a dog or a bird. 
It's a trumpet, a violin, or a train coming round the bend. A ukulele, a trombone, or it could even be a telephone. Hello, babe. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Play it high, or play it low. Even play the radio. All the essentials a chicken needs. Any sound of any band, way on down to a Dixieland. So gather round and listen up, and magic keys do your stuff.